0: Everybody, we are moving in to that Straight segment talk with Joe brothers! brothers! Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: What's up everybody? We want you to call You want this?
0: We want you to call 1877 That's 1877 7950122. Or you can get on Real Presence Facebook page and dial it on in with a question or two that we will answer in this straight talk segment. We are joined uh, here at Lake Isabel. Uh, the Porter Cabin with 21 Seminarians of the Diocese of Bismarck, which will be on uh, Straight Talk with the Brothers again uh, uh, during the segment. So if you have any questions for seminarians that you're wondering about that you want to ask, we're just going to randomly pull them on. We're going to pull them on one by one. Everybody's itching to get on the segment. And then we are joined by the new assistant, newly appointed assistant voter of the Diocese of Bismarck, Father... Brother Don, how are you doing today? I'm doing
2: well, thanks for it's having me. It's good to
0: have you on and um, I think we're just gonna we're just gonna move right into it. Right so in. I want to pick up uh, where we left off a little bit and we can address some of this, uh, the questions that'll be coming in as they come in. But uh, as a talking points for uh, this particular segment, um, a little bit about what's going on with this uh, Amazonian it again with these hot topic <coughs> issues. And I want to say straight out to all of you listening, no matter what might seem to be the going narrative right now in the church, uh, the present generation of priests, along with the coming generation of priests, not only supports celibacy, loves celibacy, loves the celibate priesthood, but is also very happy uh, in their celibacy. So this concept that's really left over, as the bishop said, from the 1970s, uh, that in some way, you know, we're white knuckling our celibacy and just can't wait for this senate to come through so we can get married. Oh, yeah. Is a is 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 totally off. That is not. Uh, you know, where priests are at right now, that is not where seminarians I always, I always are at right now. P- Wouldn't p- you say that? Yeah, seminaries? I mean,
1: I always hate, too, when people come up to me and they're like, don't you think p- priests should be married? And I'm like, no. I mean, that's, when I, I, I got ordained knowing I'm not going to be married, and I'm fine with that. I prayed through that, and I'm happy as a priest. And, I mean, I think a lot of stats right now show that priests who are celibate who pray, that is a big thing, who pray uh That they they have very fulfilled happy lives. I maybe oh we here okay, we just have a question. Terry
0: from Minot. How did the assumption become a holy day, and how does it affect our lives? Also, what does the word seminarian mean, and where did it come from? Thank you, Terry. I'm gonna to toss that off to Father Josh.
1: Yeah, well here, well I mean, uh, you know, that, that's a really good question. uh what does the word seminarian mean? Let's start there. We're going to we're going to look that up. I actually know, <laughs>
0: Hey, he's the vocation director, but I know what it means. Seminarian is derived from the seminary. That reminds me of that Chris that Chris Farley
1: deal where he was like the niño is Spanish <laughs> no, no, no. for. <laughs> hold on, hold on. We have somebody. The niño. We got Ben Warner. He is a linguist. Linguist. Okay. So,
0: Mr. Ben Warner, seminarian of the Diocese of Bismarck. Answer the uh, question. Straight talk. What
1: does seminarian mean? Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. It uh, <laughs> just comes from the Latin. It, <laughs> Why? Hey, you making us look dumb? No. <laughs> it just comes from the Latin word seminarium, uh, which simply means um, nurturing garden. So it's similar to the word. Uh, Semen in Latin, which means like seed. So the image that the church uses uh, for seminary formation is as if, uh, so just like in a garden, things grow slowly, and they kind of uh, blossom, and there's fruit over time. Um, So, too, uh, we kind of have a long form of uh, formation, where we kind of, in the silence, we grow in the garden, in the nurturing garden of the church, so that we can blossom and uh, bear fruit for the rest of the world. And he...
0: Gave it Do to a straight. straight. All right. Man, well, they've made us look good, man. That's what I was thinking. No, it made you know us look I mean? terrible. I was thinking that, you know, like seedbed. Seminary I mean. comes from
1: seminary. <laughs> yeah, it it's comes one from. One who goes to the seminary. seminary. All
0: right. Que- question number Thank two. Thank you, Ben Warner. I think I need to go back to seminary. My education is waning. Uh, how did the assumption become a holy day? Because it did. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, it was the assumption a Holy Day, for, I mean. for, first off the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, is is a doctrine obviously um, and the church <laughs> decides uh, basically within our doctrines of of the Lord and the Blessed Virgin Mary and sometimes uh, extremely important saints uh, the different level of feast uh, that it's going to be celebrated with liturgically and really and we've sort of lost this in the in the modern church but uh, you know, how that actually would spill into our lives. I remember, the remember Father Nick Fettersfield? He said, I if think- you just lived your life via the liturgical calendar of the church, it's the most balanced possible life that you could live. Yeah, you fast actually,
1: when you fast, you right, feast when you feast. And live
0: normally on normal days, and so... I just
1: fa- I uh, feast all the time.
0: There, there, right, that's our problem. <laughs> We're feasters. Uh, not creasters, feasters. <laughs> um, but anyway, so... The assumption would be of the level of feast day that we call uh, uh, an ob- obligatory solemnity. So like, like a Sunday, every single Sunday uh, is a holy day of obligation, hence missing Sunday Mass is, is a mortal sin. So the church herself then liturgically will raise particular feasts, such as uh, the assumption based upon a doctrinal statement, um, you know, to that same type of obligatory day, which everyone, if you're not aware of it, this coming Thursday, August 15th, uh, is the Feast of the Assumption, which is a Holy Day of Obligation. Uh, the next day, August 16th, is my birthday, also, and that only is of, a gosh. holy day of obligation. <laughs> you can go to church and pray, pray, for, pray for the Elder Thunder. Uh, anyway, so hopefully, do the, yeah, you want to add to yeah, that? I'm
1: just going to add a little, I mean, just a little teaching moment of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So Father Josh Eli, I think, came up with this, maybe not, but this is where I learned it from. The, the, the four dogmas of the Blessed Virgin Mary come under the, the acronym of DIVA. Right, So you have D is divine motherhood, so mother of God. I, immaculately conceived. V, perpetual virgin. And A is assumed into heaven. So if you ever need an acronym to remember, you know, the great singers, the divas, the diva of all divas is the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in that acronym are actually the four titles, uh, the four dogmas of Our Lady.
0: Hey, we got Pete from Mandan (laughs) with a hot topic issue. He says... Can I attend a non? Oh, Pete. Hey, what's up, man? You're on the phone. I missed that. How you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, Pete. All right. Hey, Pete. I know Pete. Pete's my parishioner. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. St. Joe's.
0: So, Pete, what's your question for us?
3: Give it to us straight. I've uh, I've uh, been invited and attended two weddings this summer, um, uh, uh, Catholic and. Uh, A non-Catholic, one in a Lutheran church, and one in one of these wedding settings out in the countryside. And at both weddings, uh, there were questions, people talking in small groups. uh, Should we really be here? And and uh, we don't really feel comfortable. Were some of the comments? And what is right and what is wrong with attending one of these? Are we endorsing? not being married uh, by a priest, and all of those sort of questions. And, and it's just been bugging me enough that I thought I wanted to call in and, and uh, see what uh, the Sons of Thunder have to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate your question.
0: I just need one clarification from you, Pete. Were they weddings between two Protestants? Second scenario, were they weddings between a Protestant and a Catholic? And in third, which the
1: Catholic left the faith. In
0: which the and the right. third would be you know because you can get married outside the church with permission of the diocesan bishop uh, to a non-Catholic, but there's a whole process involved to uh, to you know to, to make that wedding to validate that wedding. And so, could you just zero in, hone in a little bit on the on the each, particulars of of the specifics of those weddings. Each,
3: each wedding, uh, one was a Catholic. And and they, as far as I know, one definitely is still a practicing Catholic, and I'm not sure on on the other one.
1: So most of them are they were they're, they're Catholic. They left the faith to get married in the Protestant
3: church. Yeah, I can yeah. I, like I, say that, I would say they still I, seem they still seem to be going to church, but um, um, just whether or
0: not that wedding is legitimate. So I'll say this yep. to, every, to all the list, l- l- listeners out there. That in the first case scenario of uh, a Catholic and a non-Catholic getting married in a Lutheran church, that particular scenario, if that couple, a.k.a. the Catholic, went through the right channels, meaning that they met with their pastor, they had Catholic formation, the diocesan <laughs> bishop uh, gave permission for this wedding, for, for starters, for them to marry a, Catholic, a non-Catholic, and then also for the wedding to take place outside the church— Uh, that would be a valid marriage. Now, in that particular process, the Catholic Party has to promise before God that they will raise the children Catholic. Uh, But if all of that takes place, you, in fact, can get married in a Protestant church, is key to that, to a non-Catholic, and it's a valid wedding in front of a pastor, and you don't need a priest there because the couple is the one actually uh, uh, working the sacrament. The second one, Pete... Uh, I'm going to just take a wild guess, not a wild guess, I'm going to say for certain that that was an invalid <clears throat> marriage because uh, within the process that the church offers, you're not going to be allowed to get married outside an actual physical church. Uh, and there's a lot of reasoning be- behind that. But So a lot of couples, even you know, two Catholic couples will come, and they'll be <clears throat> like, you know, we want to get married out at you know, the lake, for example, where we're at right now. Or our cousin actually just got married at her farm. Um, which is a good thing for us to reference we also had a, you know a, a, a cousin get married you know on the, out, beach. Uh, on the beach and then the other one was in a Lutheran church but it wasn't <laughs> sanctioned so in the case of all three of those weddings when this is a good place to begin uh, father Josh and I um, were not allowed via the code of canon law so this is you know doctrine in the church we are prohibited as priests family or not from uh, going to those weddings whether we're involved in it or not, because we're official ministers of the church. So, I start with that with with the regular Catholic. If the priest is not allowed to go to the wedding, then it automatically, you know, <clears throat> falls into place that the lay faithful are also not allowed to go to those weddings. And so the question would be, well, why? Okay, because you know this is the the great mantra now in the society. Well, you know, you're, you're going to ruin the special day. You know, that's not very loving. I thought you were supposed to be following Jesus. You know, and, and and my response is okay. If this is an invalid marriage, then we are not standing with this couple before God, saying, you know, everybody's happy and we're you know we're we're celebrating the fact that, that these two are becoming one. They're not becoming one. They're not doing anything. It's an affront to God because it's not sacramental, and especially with the Catholic Party, they therefore are in an invalid marriage. Uh, assumingly, they're now moving in together, uh, they're now going to have conjugal relations uh, with, within their invalid marriage, which is, which is you know, not approved, it's fornication. And so we're literally standing up, celebrating an invalid marriage that's displeasing to God, that's going to result in the couple being in the state of mortal sin. Which automatically assumes that if they die in the state of mortal sin, they're not going to heaven. So we are celebrating on that day their potential damnation, and that's what we're calling love. That's not love at all. As a matter of fact, that that that's you know not only sacrilegious, uh, but it's sinful to do something like that. I, what was the uh, you know what I Thomas hate Be- Beckett when he was like, would would you stand with no, me, Thomas More?
1: Thomas More, how does that saying mm-hmm. go? Oh, he said he's like because because this is King under Henry, Henry, VIII, it, King Henry he the Eighth, but VIII wanted him to to say it was okay for him to be in his invalid marriage and thomas wouldn't and the duke came to him and he had already signed the petition for henry Eighth. and then he said to thomas and he said thomas just sign it for fellowship's sake and then thomas looks at him and he says and when i go to hell for following my conscience and you go to heaven for following yours will you come with me for fellowship's sake, right, exactly.
0: So, <laughs> so this is a great line in know, the movie. The real loving thing to do, Pete, is to sit down with this couple and say, "You know, we." I, and this is what we did in our family. So uh, the the fact of the matter is,
1: is that we have lived this, and it it, it has
0: caused division in our family. And Tremendous and, and, division. and the thing but is, too, is
1: when people say when they're like, "Why are you ruining the day?" I'm like, "No, you ruined the day." Right. This when is, you is left your the church You yeah, ruined the day.
0: Exactly. And I I'm not coming to this because because I love you. And my absence will tell you that this is not something that you should be doing. And when you want to do it correctly, then in fact, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to come, which is what we've said even in our own family. Father Dash.
2: Yeah. Let me just clarify two things that our society puts forward, two lies that are uh, gravely immoral for us to understand. The first is that if I disagree with you, that means that I hate you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the other one is that if I agree with you, that means that I love everything about you. Whereas... It's actually more responsible for me to admit when something is going wrong in your life. And that's a greater sign of my love for you. So, I mean, if you're a habitual liar, it's good for me to be able to condemn that. And we actually grow in a deeper friendship. So in these cases, you know, you disagreeing with them doesn't mean that you hate them. You, You can still love them, but it's, you know... Loving this sin, or hating this sin.
0: The fact of the matter is, if we had more conversations like that, I think the society would be a whole heck of a lot better off. Everybody, we are giving it to you straight on Straight Talk with the Brothers. It's one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, one eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, or you can get online and get to or online to the facebook of the real president's radio site uh and you can just type in a question if you're a person that doesn't want to get on the air live uh we were tempted even to send out our cell phone numbers uh you could text it in but maybe next time anyway we'd love to hear from you we've got questions coming in uh we were just talking to pete i don't think pete's still on the phone but pete thank you uh for your very very good question but i want to definitively tell everybody listening right now, they, they did it very simply, because that was a very complicated answer. If a Catholic is getting married outside the church without the church's permission, which means that they've gone through proper Catholic formation, the answer is you You should not go to that wedding. And I would take it a step further and say that it is, if you do that with knowledge of it, that it is in fact sinful uh, for one to go to that wedding. And it, it, family division and all of that stuff aside... Uh, hopefully we we were able to theologically give it to you there uh, as to why that would be sinful and not permissible. And on the other end, we just simply need, as Father Dashi is saying, to have a little bit more uh, thorough conversation in society for the good of the or soul. Just,
1: or just reasonability. Like, just to be reasonable with people and not to go to these extremes immediately that... If I, you know, say something that I'm against you, that I hate you, you know, it's really... Well, here's, here's
0: the other thing, too. It'd be like, you know, because we got all these seminarians, a whole room full of seminarians here. You know, if the seminarian came to the bishop and was like, you know, I, I want to rewrite the liturgy. You know, I, I'm going to I'm gonna get ordained, you know, out at my lake cabin. You know, the bishops would be like, no, you're not getting ordained out at the lake cabin. You're going to do it the way the church is asked... You know, you to do it because the sacrament doesn't belong to us, everybody. We don't get to come to God and be like, hey, you're going to do it my way, Lord. No, the Lord is coming back and saying, you know, this is the way that I laid the foundation of for and you know we come to receive it i've I've often you know it's like the pluckers at holy communion you're like the body of christ and they snatch it out of your hand The claw the the claw right the pluckers the pickers um you know don't do that why because you know either be on the tongue or whether you're receiving it into the hand the key word is that you are receiving from christ who is god and and You know, it's just like the scriptures say when they're like, what do we do to do the works of God? Listen to the one he sent. So we don't have to do anything. We try to live good lives, but we show up to receive the sacraments from Christ, which is our salvation. And marriage is the exact same thing. We don't get to decide what marriage looks like. We don't get to decide what ordination looks like. I don't get to come out and celebrate Mass with beer and pizza. You know, the list goes on. Form and matter are determined by Christ, and the church safeguards that. And so when we violate those things, it, it is sinful, and we should not be supporting it. You wouldn't support coming to Father Josh's Mass if all of a sudden he was using cotton candy for the Eucharist. Right. Right? That would be, People would be horrified. I like cotton candy. Uh, you know. They would be, you know, calling the bishop. They would stop coming to that Mass. And that's the exact same thing with this type of invalid wedding. We just can't see it because it's supposed to be about the couple's day, and it's more familial and all of this sort of we stuff. should get so, some cotton candy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we need on this show is a cotton candy machine. machine. If
1: you want to donate that yeah. to the Sons of Thunder, call one
0: 795 122 and donate that cotton candy machine. Uh, to or the. call
1: in with your questions or whatever it might be.
0: Call in with your questions. You can get on Facebook uh, and, and type in. That being said, uh, we, I want to get back to uh, the the Amazonian synod, <laughs> because this is. I'm You're telling beating you, a dead horse I'm here, not man. beating a dead horse because this thing, come fall. I want everybody to listen to the prediction. Come oh, this boy, fall, prophecy. Here Did comes we get some pro- music
1: for that. Yeah, do
0: we have? <laughs> you know, this, is, prophetic. this is private
3: <laughs> prophecy. <laughs> this is
0: private <laughs> So, uh, but this coming fall, you are going to see uh, just a tremendous amount of topics and discussion in the church. And, you, I mean, you saw that, the last one. Was that your prediction? Uh, that, that, that we had. That's my prediction. There's going to be well, a, a synod. Of course there's going to yeah, be But a I'm of- talking, it's going to be all over the place. That with is a crappy tr- prophecy. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. Oh, hey, we got an anonymous. What is the status of a retired Catholic? couple who get married second marriages after death of both spouses in in a catholic church witnessed by a priest but not registered civilly in order not to lose pensions from deceased spouse
1: Ah. well that's just a great way around the government yeah yeah all right i'm gonna i don't i don't know i mean i i think the marriage would be valid i want to read that i want to read
0: that once again (laughs) what is the status of a retired catholic couple who get married, second marriages after death of both spouses. Uh, so, obviously, they're able to get married. It's valid. In a Catholic yeah. church, witnessed by a priest, but not registered civilly and ordered not to lose pensions from a de-spouse. deceased that's, spouse. Deceased that, spouse. Valid or invalid? Valid. valid. Okay. Right. So, it's a sacramental it's marriage.
1: marriage. until
2: death do you part. Right. So.
1: Right. And it's a sacramental marriage. It's just, I don't know legality-wise. It's illegal, though. Well, I don't
0: know. I know that for sure because, yeah. and that would get the priest into a tremendous amount of trouble, because we're official ministers of the state. That's why. That's when, right. You're right. That's why when you're done with each marriage, you have the, the, the best man and the maid of honor come back, and the first thing they do is send that or sign that, and then it's sealed immediately and married off to the state for tax reasons. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I I I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure. Like, if all of a sudden we started hiding marriages, that would be a tax code violation. But we, for, the
1: re- yeah, for the record, it is a valid marriage. It's definitely it's a valid. valid sacramental yeah, marriage. Yeah, it's definitely valid. But it's probably illegal no. in the area. And the
2: diocese would pick up on it. So eventually. Us priests just can't go out and marry whoever we want. They have to go through the, the proper uh, pre-marriage steps, right. and the diocese has to approve of all of those before the wedding actually takes <laughs> place.
0: Right, and you so know what? See it.
2: This, I want to you know, get back
0: for a second to the invalid marriage, because this speaks into that we can't do with the law whatever we want so if all of a sudden father justin waltz up in out is like i don't think people should pay marital taxes anymore <laughs> and so i'm gonna like start covering up marriages and the irs of the state of north dakota finds out about that i'm gonna be in a whole hoopla trouble because i did what i wanted to do with the law right. and you can't yeah. just do whatever you want to do with the law so i would we be able to be able to do that with spiritual law
2: and i think. A very good distinction in that is that the law is for our good. It helps us choose what is good and right and helps us live a better life. So these laws that the church prescribes or that the state provides uh, help us choose what is correct and good for us to live good and faithful lives. So though it may seem oppressive, it is actually incredibly freeing because we will live better lives. They're good prescriptions for us on on how to be good people. And what the church prescribes uh, helps us uh, be good Catholics.
1: Again, 877 or get online and Facebook on in. You can come in anonymous. You can call in, give us your name, anything. Uh, we're always here to answer your questions. I want to go uh, back to the Amazon Synod. <laughs> <laughs> You're beating a dead horse. <laughs> no, no. I was just I was messing with you. But in some way, we have uh, Jacob Degley, one of our seminarians. and You know what? Maybe, maybe just to talk a little bit about how you've experienced celibacy, you know, thus far. Maybe the, you know, going through the process of realizing that you're, you know, you won't have a family as a natural family as such, and what what that's been like in your heart. Just so people can hear that it isn't just all about this married, not married. I mean, there's a, there's a process that guys go through to actually come to an understanding of of celibacy.
4: Yeah. So celibacy, <clears throat> I personally, my, my heart's been. Uh... Formed more and more in the last uh, five or six years, in growing in love with with uh, with this gift of celibacy, and it's important to understand it as being a gift. Um, that not every man who enters a seminary is able to receive that gift. God doesn't give a gift to everyone. Um, but what I've noticed is it certainly is sacrificial um, in a certain aspect of, yeah, you do have to sacrifice um, having a natural wife and biological children, certainly. But when a, when a man truly does receive. Uh, the gift of celibacy, he receives the desires of Christ's heart himself. Um, and Christ's celibate heart is in love um, with all people. Um, and so he, he's able to fall in love with every every person that he encounters in a, in a real way, in a real self-sacrificial way. Um, and so as I, you know, am, God willing, two years out from ordination, um... I, I, there certainly is a sacrifice in, in, in giving up, you know, a, a natural marriage. But there's a, a much greater desire there to lay down my own life for the entire people of God and to, to spend myself in their service as a as a chaste spouse. Absolutely,
0: I can confirm that too. And I, 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 all well, Father Dosh is presently a chaplain, but Father Josh, uh, and Josh Waltz, my the other Son of Thunder it's here, kind of myself, cool. we were, and myself, we were we were chaplains back in the day, and we were right out of the, the gates after ordination. Uh, we were, you know, assigned to Catholic high schools, and during my four years, uh, you know, as a, as a chaplain, I experienced the beginnings of spiritual fatherhood in such an amazingly rich way. Like, if you, I mean, you, you're told all these things, and you know, as a seminarian, you're, well, everybody's doing a holy hour now. Back in my day, it was like maybe a quarter of the guys were, but you know, you're, and you're receiving that from Christ, you know. So like, you you start you know, bonding with the Lord in the Holy Hour in, in ways that you can't really describe to anybody else. But there, there's a union there. You're not alone. You know, right. and so it's like, okay... And then you kind of take that leap of faith into it, and it was just like boom! All of a sudden, I've got more kids than I could possibly imagine, you know. And so they're like, "Well, you know, the, the, there's going to be loneliness and celibacy." And I found like you know, I needed more loneliness. Like there was no time in my day whatsoever that I wasn't well, even maybe solitude,
1: right? For
2: but er- everyone honest. has to deal with loneliness. Just because someone's in the bed with you doesn't mean you can't. Yeah, be there's lonely. a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of well, loneliness. here's the thing too. lonely too. I, th- I think done. that people. One of the reasons for this whole. You know, married clergy, all that. I think it's really because people don't pray. Right. Well, so they, if you yeah. don't pray, you don't understand that there is this real lived relationship with the person of Christ, which is enough.
0: Well, and part of it's the whole oversexed culture, <laughs> right. right? In which you're saying, well, unless. You're not sexually active. Well, then, how can you possibly be happy? And on the other end, that's what I get. you are the most miserable people, <laughs> right? I'm like every celibate priest I know, and seminarian for that matter, especially those who are doing the holy hours. Like
2: the happiest people you've ever met. Yeah.
0: And the amount of counseling that we provide to people that, you know, are really suffering in their marriages.
2: It's also an eschatological sign of, of heaven. Like we said, marriage is until death do you part. Mm-hmm. But for the priesthood, it's a, an indelible mark on your soul, meaning that you will be a priest in heaven as well.
1: Right. I'm just getting ready.
2: It's, yeah. Yeah. So, I wonder what I'm
1: going to look like in heaven. If I get Hopefully. You're gonna be <laughs> a, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, I I love, if you look in uh, the the last judgment, Michelangelo (laughs) in the Sistine Chapel, you look at all the people up in heaven, they're just like jacked, (laughs) bodybuilder, like Olympians. And you look at like John the Baptist, and he's like, you know, 250 pound, like jack. it's like, this guy ate locusts and like wild honey. You don't get that jack eat (laughs) locusts and wild honey. It's like protein (laughs) shit. No, no, no. But they they have their glorified bodies up there. You know, no one's ashamed. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Which is a great point. I, th- this has just been resonating with me since Easter this year. I got, I've been thinking a lot about the Lord's glorified body. That is the goal of the entire faith, everybody. So when you're sitting there living a life of prayer, trying to live a li- life of virtue, going to confession, going to regular mass, raising your kids in the faith, uh, you know, suffering maybe the conversion of your spouse, being faithful to your spouse, doing all the things that the Catholic faith is you know, welcoming you into, Uh, And striving for for heaven What we mean by that is that someday You are going to rise from the dead And you are going to get a brand new body And this body is the goal of the faith Your eternal glory And salvation And from what I can tell it's one heck of a piece of equipment I mean at the the end of the day You're able to fly like Jesus does As John said we don't know what we're going to be But we're going to be exactly like him Because we're going to see him as he is Which means that your resurrected body Is going to be like his resurrected body
1: we have uh, one. We have two questions. One we're not going to get to, but we will get to it next week if uh, our producers can take note of this. The question is is that we should address our thoughts on non-Catholic godparents within baptism. Hmm. We will address that next time we're on. And finally, a question on Facebook from Colton. Who is your favorite seminarian? We know that that's Colton Steiner, one of our seminarians. And uh, that, that, that question's impossible to answer. So <laughs> I just love all the guys. I'm proud of them all. They're, they're Bob
0: great. Johnson is, is mine.
1: <laughs> Great witness to the faith. There is
0: no Bob Johnson, by the way. Maybe there is out there. Maybe he's listening right now. Maybe he's
1: a seminarian. Anyway, we're happy to have everybody on. Thanks for all your questions, all your call-ins.
0: This we're has here. been Straight, Straight Talk, Talk with the Brothers. Da Brothers.